How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are, another day, another study. All right, so please go grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Right, pick up where we left off and talking about the letter of exhortation by the Apostle Paul to the Church of Corinth. And thankfully, thank, yeah, thank you everybody for praying, thankfully, um, YouTube got itself all worked out and now we have the live chat back. Um, it was gone for a little while, don't know why. The other day I did a video and it just didn't matter what I did, just the live chat here just wasn't existing. I don't know why. But uh, thankfully it got itself fixed and it's back up again so I can now see what everyone's talking about. I was a bit worried about that this morning. But th thankfully the Lord hears prayers and got it all worked out. So, okay, uh, we're going to be uh, continuing on our look at 2 Corinthians. And we're going to be looking at chapter 3. And uh, this is a, a very interesting chapter. That, uh, it's stressing what uh, we've been talking about so much about being able to encourage ourselves and encourage others ourselves. And how does this come about? This comes about by personal study and application and all this, taking the faith seriously. We'll be looking at that a bit more as we go through. If you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. If it's not related to the topic at hand, if you could just hold that to the end of the study or to our next broadcast all right so going through uh, the word of god like this like we've been doing there's many many different ways that you can study the bible uh, many ways you can read it and study it and all this and what we're doing is just kind of a skimming through uh, a, a basic uh, grasp of how to read how to study um, what we're doing is using the berean method the berean method uh, based off Acts 17, 11, where they, where they read it, they receive it. Now they search it and study it. And we're, we're looking at how do you pair scripture with scripture? How do you understand the context? So we're looking at the basics of reading, the basics of studying. Um, we're not going into super deep dives into deeper uh, theology, like spending a week on one verse kind of thing. Some people can do that, and that's that's incredible how they could do that. I'm not a deep theologian like that. Uh, like my dad, for example, can look at a word and he can do massive uh, Royal George sermons off of one word kind of thing. Uh, he can pull stuff out, out of the studies that just I've just never seen before. I don't know how he does it. Well, I know how he does it, but I don't have that gift. Uh, I'm an evangelist. I am a teacher of the basics of the faith. And that's what we do here is, is we point you in the direction and we let you go. And now you got to apply it. You got to study it. But this is the basics. This is how you do it. And we help walk you through that. So using the Berean method, we broke it down into three points. The what, the how, the why. The what is the, uh, the context. Understand what is going on. And someone's really on the ball here. Raven's really on the ball here. Interpretation, application, demonstration. There you go. And the and the what is the interpretation? The, the what it says, what it means. There's only one interpretation of the word of God. 
Now, can you tell me what are the Bible verses that go along with those three points? Uh, so we see interpretation, there is only one. What it says is what it means. There are not multiple interpretations of the Bible. You hear people say, well, that's just your interpretation. No, that, that's just your ignorance talking. You don't understand what you're saying. There's only one interpretation. Now, there are multiple applications. It can be applied mentally, physically, spiritually, circumstantially. It can be applied in multiple, multiple ways. It can be used for multiple purposes. But again, what it says is what it means. And you can't change the context. You can change the direction of where this context is to be applied. And it applies for all things. And we got to learn how to apply it. But we must understand what it's saying first. So this is what we do as we go through and we slow down. One of the first big things to learn when studying the word of God is slow down. Slow down, read slower, pay attention to each individual word. Acknowledge the words of what's being said, how it's being said. Now we've gone through this and we point out, okay, now no, why did he use this word? Why did they why did they say it that way, this way? Then we take a look at that and we see it actually has a, a great point, great meaning as to why they use these specific words. Pay attention to the sentence structure, the grammar, the punctuation, uh, the way the verses are punctuated, uh, stressing certain points. It's very, very important. You can miss all of that by, by speed reading through or, or just grazing through. You want to slow down. You want to... You want to savor it. Now, to meditate on the Word of God, this comes, the picture that comes in this is like, a, you know, certain animals, they, they, you know, like a, like a cow chewing the cud, is you, is you eat it and then you spend time really working on it, really working on getting all the nutrients. Another picture one pre, uh, preacher says, it's like, you know, yeah, unless you're a vegan or something, uh, about eating a steak. You take a bite of steak and you chew it and you chew it and you get all the flavor and all this about it. It's so good and you really spend time on that bite. It's that kind of thing is you take bit by bit and you just work on it. You work on it. You work on meditating on the word of God. And so you, you pay attention to the interpretation. You pay attention to the application. Now, application in this as well is learning how to, not just how to, Read it, how to pay attention to it, but how to pair scripture with scripture, rightly dividing the word of truth. Where else in the word of God is talking about this? Well, how can you know? Well, now you really got to start reading the Bible and you got to know how to search it. And there are many different uh, ways you could search the scriptures, let alone we got this special little magic box that we can uh, call Google that we can actually uh, search anything. So if you have an idea and you ask your phone, uh, is there a Bible verse on this word? And then it'll bring up a list of all the things and you just go through. Okay, see where else the word of God is even talking about. You can get the, the commentaries and all that kind of stuff. There's many different search engines out there that you can use, search resources. And uh, you uh, other great Bibles like the Thompson Chain Reference Bible is really good for this. So there's many ways that you can search the scriptures, reading it yourself, looking it up searching it out, reading other sources, see what are the uh, passages talk about this. And also, this is why it's also important to gather together. Someone might know something you don't. Or you might know something they don't, and you help them. 
So you discuss it out and you search the scriptures. This is why it's so important to come together. Now, the final point in this is demonstration. Now, the, you read it, getting an idea of what's going on, the proper context and interpretation. Then you see the, the working at it, the how, now getting all studied out and learned and all this for the purpose of application, self-application. To apply it to yourself, to now go live it, speak it, think it, do it. This is so important to, to know uh, is, is exactly how to read the Bible and study uh, the direct interpretation. Now, uh, application is uh, applying it to yourself can only come by proper study, memorization, and taking it seriously. This is very important. This has an answer for every single aspect of our lives. Anything you could ever wonder about. Any question you could ever possibly come up with. There's a teaching, an instruction, a doctrine. There's a principle. There's uh, pictures and images and teachings all throughout the Word of God. It's our job to now look it up. To take it seriously. We don't need to go to the wisdom and the philosophies of man. We can go to the direct doctrine of God. The wisdom of God. Now, this, as we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of accommodation to you, or letters of accommodation from you? Look what he says. To commend, to exhort, to teach, to instruct, to encourage. Do we... It, can we encourage ourselves to keep going? Like if, if suddenly the government was to ban the Bible, and uh, you and churches are shut down, you can't go to church, you can't really seek out the brethren anymore. Are you able to continue on in the faith? What would happen? What would happen if all if the Christian channels all shut down, got shut down, and there was nowhere to go anymore? What what would you do? Would you be able to continue on in the faith? Would you be able to commend yourself through the word of God? Would you be able to exhort yourself, to keep yourself encouraged to keep on? When you become so dependent on others, that's kind of a problem. That shows your faith is shaky. You see, you should be able to get yourself to a point where you can be an inspiration and encouragement unto others. Because you know how to fan the flames of exhortation, fan the flames of encouragement, to commend yourself to keep going, to encourage yourself in the Lord. Yes, it's very, very important uh, to be able to go gather together. And isolationism is completely anti-Bible. And that you should go seek out the brethren. But I'm talking about when, when the situations arise, or even just in, when you're just at home. In between the services kind of thing you know in the off day and you're you're at home you're having a bad day do you know what to do to overcome these things do you know how to how to commend yourself in the lord or are you so dependent on others ask yourself the question this also it comes by a uh the uh is a proof of how you personally take the study of the scripture seriously it's a direct reflection of your own devotions, of how you continue on in walking with the Lord. How's your prayer life? How's your how's your study life? How's your how's your the scriptural memorization life? How's your evangelism life? So you want to look at your walk with God 
how how that's flourishing that could be an answer to some things so we see commendation encouragement the rewards of this the rewards of the faith what is it joy peace strength provision encouragement the joy of the lord it comes in all things as you see for example paul and silas was it paul and silas i think it was paul and silas in the dungeon when they were beaten and then chained up and put in the stocks in the deepest cell of the dungeon they had every reason every excuse to bellyache about that i'd probably be pretty upset about that but you take a look at them is what they do they started singing and praising god and talking about the lord and encouraging each other and they were shaking the walls with their praises the garment uh, the, the the garment of praise is given for the spirit of heaviness so do we be do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we as uh, some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you so it is important to be able to commend ourselves to be able to to walk ourselves to be able to be independent but not completely uh, where like i said you become an isolationist like the hermit in the out in the country refuses to go anywhere else that's not correct yes you should be able to walk with the lord yourself and to be able to encourage yourself but as we see joining together is to not forsaking not forsaking the the fellowship the assembling of yourselves together as the man as the manner of some is but more and more as you see the day approaching it is important also to gather together to worship christ as a group as a church church is the gathering together of the saints and this is a physical bodily term and context but, but you notice the words or need we uh, this is need as in otherwise you wouldn't have it the need is, is such a need as otherwise you wouldn't have it there is a need I, I i need the gathering i need the gathering i i need to go and gather with the saints but it's not the kind of need that otherwise i would have no encouragement now how can we encourage ourselves what are ways that we could encourage ourselves you know I wondered about that for a long time until this is where one of the things that uh, the Lord has helped me in the, is in public evangelism, street preaching, is it's very encouraging. It is so rewarding and encouraging to go out to go out in, in in public and just hand out a gospel tract. Like yesterday, uh, my wife and I went to went to town, and uh, she, uh, she had to go get an MRI. And I'm sitting in the waiting room. And as I'm waiting, I'm, I'm just doing some research and just looking stuff up on my phone. And then she, she finally fishes up and comes at, at, to the waiting room. And uh, I gather my stuff up and I take out a bunch of tracks and uh, a John and Romans. And I set it on the, the, the little mini table that was beside my chair. And I sit out there and I spread it out. And I notice at the corner of my eye, there's a guy just, just a couple of feet over here. His head's turned. And he's looking so intently at everything I'm putting on the table. I didn't really talk to him. I just put all the stuff on the table. I looked over at him and he kind of glanced at me and then glanced back at the stuff on the table. And he was so just taking in with stuff on the table. And then I grabbed my stuff and I, we walked out. And I was talking about that. You know, 
wherever you stand on the whole stuff going on around these days we got there uh, the rule in the hospital was was that i actually wasn't supposed to be allowed in um my wife was allowed but i wasn't allowed because well, i haven't been vaxxed so they they actually weren't supposed to allow me in and and the nurse at the entry there, she's quizzing me and grilling me. She got quite perturbed and she got quite crusty with me because she asked me if I'd, if I'd been back. I said no. She got really upset. Well, you're, you're not, not allowed in unless you have been. We, we, you have to show show proof. And I'm like, we, we parked way down the road and we walked up and it's been it's a quite a distance. Um, so I guess I can't even just wait anywhere here. And, she, and she's like, humming and hawing. Well, no, you got to be. She's like, well, I guess I'm not supposed to allow you to do this, but you can go in and wait in the waiting room. Okay. And the, but when you put all, all of this together, I personally believe that it was the Lord that kind of softened her to it and allowed me in there so that I could leave the tracks for that guy. And it was, wasn't until after me and my wife walked out and we were, we were heading home all of those pieces clued in that is such an encouragement even something as simple as that you see i didn't have to go with my wife she could have gone herself but i went with her knowing that they probably aren't going to allow me in but we'll see what happens and they allowed me in and i set the tracks down for that guy and he was so just taken and just staring at this stuff i personally believe that even just laying a track down, it encourages you to see all the peace together. The Lord brought you here for that purpose, brought you to that spot, this this place right here, so you can leave this before someone else. His word will not return void. Ways you can encourage yourself to, uh, to, to commend yourself in the faith is to take the faith seriously, to get the word out there, to spend time with the Lord. How's your prayer life? You know, so so often we kind of give the the fleeting prayers, just the quick prayers. You know, thank you for this day. Help me with my job this morning. Keep me safe on the road. In Jesus' name, Amen. Very simple little prayers. But where's the actual talking and conversation? You ever had the time when you're talking with the Lord and Bible verses just start coming up about something you said, a word you said, or a phrase you said, and a Bible verse just pops up. That's the Lord talking to you. He's invested in our conversations. He wants to be a part. There's to talk with the Lord and now pay attention to references and Bible verses that come up, or even parts of Bible verses that come up about things you're talking to, promises and, and the blessings and the things of Scripture, doctrines and teachings and principles of Scripture that pop up. That's, that's the Spirit of God within you literally talking with you, having a two-way conversation with you. Take a Bible verse, take a passage, start reading it, start memorizing it, start quoting it. Watch what happens. It encourages the heart. It helps you. It strengthens the faith. Do you, it, are you so dependent on someone else carrying you, uh, your, the church carrying you, or are you able to carry yourself by taking the faith seriously, applying yourself in the faith? See, taking the faith seriously is self-application. We talked about the apl application of Scripture. Now there's application of self. Applying yourself to the Word of God. 
living as they lived, by faith, living by faith. Where you're not so dependent on everyone else, become so dependent on the doctor. Where, where's the prayer of faith for healing? Asking the Lord for, for direction and guidance and wisdom about your health. He may take, guide you to the doctor, to the pharmacy. Or maybe he might heal you himself. You see, taking the faith seriously is putting the Lord first in everything. Asking his thoughts, his opinion. Asking his permission for things. Asking his direction. What store should I go to? Seriously, why not? Where should I go to buy the bread and milk? Why wouldn't you ask him that? Why wouldn't you involve him in literally everything? God wants to be. He wants to be a part of everything from, from the greatest details to the most minute. And everything that you even in eating and drinking. He wants to sit at the table with you. See, the joy of the Lord doesn't just come from the church function of reading and praying and singing. It doesn't just come from the praises and the singing, but it comes from the little things. In the morning, you make your tea or coffee, or whatever it is you have, step outside. Just listen to the birds. Have a cup of coffee and just listen to the birds. And just think about how God made that. Think about the, the intricacies of nature, creation, the different kinds of birds, the different colors, how the birds are put together, the different kinds of trees, the grass, the flowers, the smell of nature, the allergies. So think about everything where, where all this stuff that, that God made it all. He made it all. Mindfulness of Christ. Christ mindfulness. Mindfulness of what the Lord has done, what he's put together, what he's capable of, and how he's with us, and just everything, the details of everything. Even the very coffee that you're drinking. He made that. He made up the material that makes up the coffee. He made the coffee beans. He made the water. He made the sugar that you might put too much in. He is, he is the maker of all things. The eyes with which you are seeing the nature he made. The tongue that's being used to taste the coffee he made. You see, we're so forgetful. We forget about how involved he is. He is so involved that everything that makes up you and your experiences and senses he made. Now, he just wants to be a part of your enjoyment of his creation. He wants to talk to you. He wants to be a part of your experiences. He wants to be a part of your conversations, of your thoughts. He wants to be a part of your entertainment. Mindfulness of Christ. Now, he wants to be a part of you going and telling others about him so that they can experience him themselves. God wants you to go and share with the saints the blessings and the things that, that have encouraged you this day, this week, that you share with them. He wants to be a part of that where you all are rejoicing about him. This is all about him. Not me, not you. 
He wants to be a part of our enjoyment of his creation. But then again, not to get so taken up that it's about me and, and my involvement, my experiences, but it's about him. The experience is the experience of him and his ability. Can we commend ourselves? Do we? Or need we, as some others? Now, it's the same language, you'll notice. When you look in Hebrews, it talks about not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Some forsake it. Well, I don't need church. I do it all myself. <laughs> Have you ever seen the, the funny meme, the funny picture? shows all the zebra they're all gathered together in a in a group there and one zebra is over here all by itself running like crazy because it's a lion right on its heels and the one ball by itself says i don't need church <laughs> that's the one being chased by the lion so need in what context yes church is very important and you shouldn't be forsaking it. And to forsake means to, to have the, the attitude that you don't need to go. Oh, you do. It's very important. If the doors are open, get over there. But the need is in, otherwise you wouldn't have anything. As the manner of some is forsake the church, and the manner of some is, is they, they don't need anyone else. They don't want anyone else. I want the, the assembling. I want the fellowship. I want the encouragement from others. I want to hear what others have to say about the Lord. I want to see and be a part of the experience of others and their enjoyment of the Lord, what they've learned. And even just to gather together for just godly fellowship. I want that. I need to have that. But then there's the personal level. Is what we're talking about here. It's the manner some is, as some others need and depend upon epistles of commendation to you, letters of commendation from you. Verse 2 Ye are our epistle written in our hearts. You are my commendation. You are my encouragement. You help me. Yes, I can, uh, by seeking the Lord, uh, the Lord encourages me to keep going, but it's different. There's something different in the fellowship together of godly sincerity, godly fellowship, godly unity. It's a beautiful thing. As we see when, when the saints gather together and talk about the Lord and worship the Lord and fellowship with the Lord, ye are our epistle written in our hearts. It's of, the, it's of faith. It's of the heart. Known and read of all men or other people. Read this off of us. They see it through us. We are, we are living scriptures. We take the word of God, the spirit of Christ to others. We witness to them. We speak, speak to them of the Lord. Known and read of all men. This is 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to those who come and ask you of the hope within you, the meekness of fear. Why are they coming to ask you of the hope within you? Because they see something different. They they experience something about you. There's something different about you. There's something so different. You're not like everyone else. There's a joy. There's a peace. There's a gladness. There, there's, a, there's a strength there that they don't see anywhere else. Ye are known and read 
by all men as there, there's a uh, one uh picture that was uh, put up in one church that we used to go to years ago my dad was a pastor they had a plaque up on the wall i've seen and heard, heard it in other places before but uh, this this church we were at they had this plaque on the wall it says you may be the only bible some people will ever read you may be the only bible some people will ever read they will never in their life actually pick up a bible or a track they may never ever darken the door of a church but you are the walking church you are a walking bible you are a walking witness the spirit of christ lives through you speaks through you does he you let him do you take the opportunity to seek out opportunities to share Christ, to open those doors of utterance, those opportunities to witness and fellowship, to commend others in the faith and to the faith? You commend the saints in the faith and you commend others to the faith. You bring them to Christ. Verse 3, for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. We see, just like I'm saying, verse 3, declaring the epistle of Christ, not with ink, but in spirit, but in spirit. This isn't just a book of words and philosophies and moral platitudes. There's something else to it. There's a spiritual power. It's not just a religion of philosophies and words. This physical law. But there's something else here. There's a power behind it. It's not just standing up and just reading stuff. And it's not just by word only. By letter only. But by spirit. Now how can we live the faith by spirit? Talk about the faith in spirit. How can we manifest? How do we manifest spirit? By the power. How? Demonstration. Living it. Now look what it says here. Not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. God is alive. God is not the God of the dead, but the living. And since God is alive, how can we show it? How can we show his power? Like Todd White by lengthening legs. <laughs> no. uh, healings. There are biblical healings. So what he's doing is just stupid. But there, there, there is biblical healing. But it's not just miracles. But even in every moment. Showing the joy, the power, the truth, the conviction, the sincerity of this. The demonstration of how you can trust the Lord when you pray, things happen. When you speak the word of God, it convicts of sin, convicts of righteousness, and encourages the saints. When you hand out the tracts, you see the involvement of it, uh, see what happens, and someone sees it and picks it up. You ask of the Lord for direction and wisdom and guidance and all things, and he shows it, and he demonstrates, he answers. By showing the involvement of God by your involvement in the faith. Uh, 17 says here, I know a person who says... She wouldn't go to church. She doesn't need God because she feels God hasn't helped her with her trouble. I can't get through to her to go to church. What advice can you give me? Why this? By being the demonstration of what she's missing. And it's not just the 
going to church. The answer isn't just going to church. Going to church it does, isn't going to bring the involvement of the Lord upon you. You see, as we, but as we see by Psalms 66, verse 18, if we hide iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. The Lord doesn't reward rebellion and sin. Just by what you said, it sounds like she has a bad attitude towards God. God's not going to answer that. Like, what kind of parent rewards a spoiled, rotten, rebellious brat? It doesn't do as they're told. It is is a is arrogant and obstinate toward towards the parent. Thinks that the parent should reward them for everything, and that they can kind of command uh, command the parent. What kind of parent is going to reward that kind of behavior? What kind of God would reward that? She has no repentance. She has no remorse. She has no willingness to want to seek the face of God. What makes you think that God is going to reward that? He's going to answer that. But rather, by this, you can, uh, is we can't preach conviction, but we can demonstrate it. We can demonstrate it by the conviction in ourselves. As they see the evidence of the Lord in your life, that'll draw them to come to you and ask you about this. What can they do about this? How come they can't have that? Well, what can they do to get what you have? That's the whole point of 1 Peter 3.15. And this is exactly verse 3. Verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. For as much as ye are manifesting, look at this, look, look at this. For as much as ye are mani manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, we are the epistle of Christ. How? Not a book, but how? How does this work? By Christ through us. I'm born again saved. Well, how do you know? Because I talk with him every day. Because I notice, I feel, I see, I know the difference that it has made on me. I see the promises of God, and it's and they are evidently proven every day. He doesn't abandon me. He's always there. No matter how many times I fall flat on my face, he's always there. He hears my prayers. He answers my prayers. Who is answering my prayers? Who? Who's answering my prayers? Directly, specifically answering my prayers. Who's responding when I call upon the Lord in the name of our, my Lord God, Jesus Christ, and I, and I plead his mercy and I, I beg his ear? Who is talking to me? The, the verses that come up and the answers to my questions. My questions being answered immediately. Who is that? And I pick up the word of God and ask the Lord, Lord, where should I read? And, and he puts a Bible verse, uh, the Bible uh, reference in my mind. I turn my Bible and it's exactly what I was just talking to the Lord about. How is this happening? I pray for opportunities to witness, to share the gospel, and Im immediately doors of utterances are opened. And there's people I can witness to, hand out, hand out gospel tracts, and share the truth with. Who, who is this? There's so many proofs and evidences of the faith. And I know I'm saved as well because I know my sins are forgiven. The heaviness and the guilt is gone. That weight 
of condemnation is gone. There's a peace. There's a joy. There's a soundness of mind. There's the oil of gladness. Because when I call upon the Lord and ask him to forgive me, the peace and the gladness that is upon me. It goes beyond words. It's a knowing. I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able. He is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. He holds my soul in his hand. And he will never let go. We are declared to be the epistle of Christ. Ministered by us. Written not with ink. It's not just by letter of word. But with the spirit of the living God. Our Lord Jesus. The spirit of Christ. That lives in the heart of every believer. Ephesians 3.17. Ephesians 1.13. Ephesians 4.30. John 14.15.16. The Holy Spirit. The Comforter. The Holy Ghost. The spirit of Christ. That lives in us. Speaks to us. Teaches us. Convicts us. Helps us. Guides us. Instructs us in all things. Teaches us how to pray. And it's evident that in every day, in every moment, it's evident that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ within us, the Spirit of the living God within us, holds us up, keeps us going. We need never fear because God is with me. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses and Elijah and Samuel, the God of Peter, James, and John, the God of Mary and Martha, Deborah, and, and all the others, the God of the Bible, Jehovah God, the great I am, the everlasting Father, Almighty God, the always existing one, is existing in me. Because I have believed on his Son. Because I have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I have believed his word. He seals me. He forgives me. He saves me. He holds me despite myself. Manifestly declared through many infallible proofs. Look back and remember how many how many answers to prayer do I have? How many times has he answered my prayers? How many times has he showed himself, proved himself, demonstrated himself, manifested himself in my life? Think back all the times he ever answered your prayers, helped you, guided you, showed you. How many times has he done that? Countless. Too many times to count. Manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, not written not with ink, but with the Spirit of living God, written with the blood of Jesus Christ upon my heart. This blood that cannot be washed away. The blood of Christ cannot be washed away. Our sins can be washed away. Our blood can be washed away. Everything else can be washed away. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be washed whiter than snow. But the blood of Christ cannot be washed away. It cannot be overpowered. It, can, it cannot be covered over. But the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart, he changes our hearts from hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. He softens us. He convicts us. He molds the clay. The clay is hard and he molds it till it's softened, till it can finally be molded into the shape that he makes us. Verse 4, and such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Such trust have we 
Look what it says. Look at, look at the word. Such trust. Now, what is faith? Faith is believing trust. And such trust, that's faith. Faith in Christ. And such trust have we through Christ. Through Christ. It's all through him. It's only by him. It's only in him. It's only on him. The only reason we are here now, the only reason we have peace of mind, the only way we are able to keep going in anything is because of him. For without him, I would have nothing. I'd be nothing. I'd be dead in my sins. Condemned. No hope. No peace. No joy. But such trust, such peace, such confidence have we through Christ to Godward. Everything that is of the Lord, of God, of his word, of the kingdom, every, everything that the kingdom of God is about is only accessible by him. So there, there verse 4, that is paired with, I am the way, the truth, the life. Through Christ. It's not through anything else. Not through the law. It's not through the law. It's not through works. It's not through righteous works. It's not through church going. It's not through anything else. It's not through anything else. Not through, not through, not by anything else. Not by me. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. He is our redemption. He's our wisdom. He's our righteousness. He is our sanctification. He is our peace and joy. He is our strength. It's through Christ to Godward. To get to the Father, get to God, to get to anything that is of God, of the kingdom of God, of the faith, you got to go through Jesus Christ. The moment you try to, to dwell upon your own strength, your own wisdom, your own ability, you fall, you fail. Look what he says, verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves. I have no self-sufficiency. But rather it's of him. I can't keep myself going, but rather how I keep going is through him, through my relationship with him, my personal relationship with him. I am not my own strength. He is my strength. I am not my own encouragement. He's my encouragement. So I learn to depend on him personally, my personal relationship with Jesus Christ, my personal relationship with God in prayer and devotion and study. And all of this, he helps me. He keeps me going. Not that, that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. All that makes us sufficient. I'm not self-sufficient. I'm Christ-sufficient. Because my sufficiency is of Christ. None of us should be self-sufficient. Because I am not my own sufficiency. Look what it says here. Christ is our sufficiency. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. But our sufficiency is of God. Of God. It's of Him. Not Mary. Not angels. Not dead saints. Not, not beads and robes and, and hats and stained glass and buildings and rituals. Any of that kind of stuff. 
but of a person. It's of a person. It's a person. It's person-to-person -person relationship. Building relationship. Maintaining that relationship. How, how well do you think your relationship would last? Let's say, let, let's say, say you're married. How well do you think that relationship would go if you hardly ever talked to each other? You hardly ever did anything with each other. Hardly ever spent time with each other. How, how well do you think that relationship would go? How long do you think that relationship would last? We, we wouldn't really dream of doing that with our best friends or with our loved ones or, or, our, or our husbands or wives, but we do that with God all the time. Sometimes even unknowingly. We just ignore him. Hardly talk to him. For days sometimes. Why? Prioritization. There's other answers to that too. Where the flesh just doesn't want to. And the devils will try to distract you. And the world will try to hinder you. And there's millions and millions and millions of excuses and all of that. But there should be a determined mindfulness. And we develop this determined mindfulness by deliberately, mindfully, consciously choosing to involve him in everything. Why would you not want to? One person the other week commented, well, if I was to read the Bible all the time, that would just be boring. Well, that, that, that kind of shows how you see God. That kind of shows how you view the faith. This isn't boring at all. It isn't boring at all. You would think if you think that this is boring, you don't know Jesus very well. You don't spend enough time with him to develop a relationship with him. He's not your friend yet. He's not your father yet. He's not your best friend. He's not your all encouragement, your all hope, all peace yet. You don't understand that yet. Such trust, such faith. For without him, I could do nothing. Like the, like the hymn. Without him, I, I could do nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, life would be hopeless. Like a ship without a sail. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, which we all are. We are all ministers, ministering that spirit of Christ to all, all people. This word here it isn't specifically speaking of pastoring, but of witnessing. To minister one with another. To be, to minister is to serve, to share, to bring. Where we would minister the spirit of christ to all that would hear it that all would accept he has made us able ministers able to do this and this able is competent confident he, he has made us i didn't make myself the bible school didn't make you your ability to re to retain information isn't what made you 
because what we are what are we ministering the new testament which is what the testament of the blood of jesus christ of the spirit of jesus christ the forgiveness and salvation of jesus christ the person of jesus christ he is the new testament it's not just a book of letters what is this book about a person in the volume of the book it is written of me it's all about him from genesis to revelation it's all about him this is a book that introduces us to the person you can't read the bible without jesus to read this separate from him that's not the faith if you want to understand the bible you got to understand jesus christ if you want to understand the cross, you got to understand Jesus Christ. If you want to go to heaven, you got to understand Jesus Christ. If you want to know and understand God, you got to understand Jesus Christ. You can't understand any of it without him. You can't witness without him. You can't convict of sin without him. You can't bring anyone to understanding of salvation without him. You can't help anyone even grasp the idea of God without him. he is the sufficiency of all things he has made us he's made us physically he's made us spiritually and he makes us his witness we are the town criers who also hath made us able ministers of the new testament he took unlearned ignorant fishermen and made them wiser stronger more competent more confident more capable than even the pharisees and sadducees he made them wiser he made them more able more learned than even the pharisees and sadducees how because they spent time with jesus christ they sat at his feet day after day they walked with him mile after mile they lived with him second after second they lived in Christ. They, they dwelt in Christ. Christ made them able. They are able to go because of Jesus Christ. They're able to witness. They're able to minister because of Jesus Christ. You are only able to do what you do because Jesus Christ allows you to do it. Are you even aware of that? Do you acknowledge that? Think about that. He has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, not just of word only, not just of letter and not, not about the letter of the law, but of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit giveth life. The law is a curse unto death, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law is destruction. It shows you how you're sinful and how you're incapable, how you can't do it. But the Spirit of Christ makes you able, regenerates you, changes you, saves you. We're under grace, not law. It's not just about law. It's not just about religion. It's not just about the letter. But it's about the person of Jesus Christ. With made us able ministers. The Spirit giveth life. Do you show and demonstrate the life of Jesus Christ through you? Can people see the life of Jesus Christ? Do they see the joy? Do they see the peace? Can you demonstrate it? How can I demonstrate it? How much time do you spend with him? How much time do you spend with him? 
Because as we see in verse 7, but if the ministration of death of the law written and engraven in stone was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. You know the story when Moses went up to Sinai, spoke with God, and he was in the presence of God at the time that he came back and his face was literally shining and glowing with, uh, because he's in the presence of God. Right? The people are so fearful of this. He had to put a veil over his face to kind of dim it so that, so that they weren't afraid to be in his presence. And that was Moses going up to get the law. How much more of spending time with Jesus does does your spirit shine? Does your life shine and glow? You become a, a, a candle in the darkness, the light. You become a light in the wilderness that you able to be a demonstration of the spirit of Christ. As Moses was of the law, showing him and his shining of the truth and the righteousness of God, we see us sitting in the feet of Jesus. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? You see Moses demonstrating the glory of God. How about us demonstrating the glory of Jesus Christ? The people see you coming and there's such a light. There's such a joy. There's such a peace and a power in your, in your presence, in your face, in your eyes, in your word. A, a passion and zealousness and fervency. Where is it? How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For the law true, truly is a glory of God showing His perfection. And how we can't attain to that. I can't achieve that. But it speaks of Him, how glorious and righteous and, and, and capable He is. I am not able, but he makes me able through Jesus Christ, because it's not of me. It's imputed righteousness when I have none, because the law shows I have none, but he imputes his righteousness. Now his righteousness, his glory shines through me. He makes me able because it's him. I'm alive because of him. I am dead to self, but he lives through me. How much more his spirit, his glory, his righteousness exceed. Verse 10. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, for reason the glory that excelleth. As we see by the law, what the law is given for, as the Lord is given, floor, given for, by reason of the glory that excelleth. What, what excels? The righteousness of God. Not the obedience of letter, but the righteousness of God. Because it's not my it's not my obedience of law. It's not my doing. It's not my achieving. It's not my striving, but rather my believing in a person. Believing that Jesus Christ is able. It's not because they did anything that merited the parting of the sea, but because they stood still and believed and God did it. He's able to make the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the light and the glory, the bread, the water, the life, the light. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which was done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. The law was done away. The law was done away through Jesus Christ, through the New Testament. The Testament of grace. As it was glorious, as it was given by God, much more that 
which remaineth the New Testament, the New Covenant, but through Jesus Christ. Verse 12, verse 12. So you see then how it's not of me, it's all of him. It's nothing of me, it's all of him. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great politeness of speech, simplicity, keeping it simple. It's not about the doing, it's not about the not doing, it's not about the washing of cups and pots, and it's not about the rituals, it's not about the having and the wearing and the achieving. It's not through complicated words and vocabulary, it's not through anything. It could be said so simply that a child can understand it. It could be used so plainly, so clearly, so simply, because it's a person. It's not some great huge mystery that you got a slave at work at to try to understand. You can understand him so easily by just looking at him. <laughs> Look at him. Listen to him. Listen to his words. Pay attention to what he's doing. Pay attention to what he's saying. Sit down, shut up, just listen to him. Such plainness of speech. Because I'm not the one that has to convince you. One simple, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That simple. One name. One work. One cross. One faith. One spirit. One hope. One glory. We use great plainness of speech. I don't have to try to impress you. It's not about impressing. I don't have to try to convict you. I'm not the convictor. It's not about me. I cease to exist. Christ lives through me. It's about him. How can I demonstrate Jesus Christ to you? Well, first, has Christ demonstrated himself to me? Because how can I demonstrate something that I might not have? Well, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Are you in the faith? What is the faith? When you look at the person of Jesus Christ, have you introduced yourself to him first? Now, how can you introduce him to others? How do you introduce your friend? You, you, you're, you're, with, you're walking with your friend and you come across someone else and you introduce your friend to them. How do you introduce another person to another person? It's the same thing. Why, are you ashamed to introduce a friend to another friend? Would you be ashamed of Jesus Christ introducing him to others? Only, only the sin of the flesh, only the devils, only the sinful world would, would hate that and try to oppose that. We use great plainness of speech, such simplicity. It's not about religiosity and rituals and traditions. It's not about all that. Whether it be walking the dusty road in the grassy field in a boat in the water. It doesn't matter where it is, mountaintop or valley. It doesn't matter where it is, what's going on. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter what you're wearing, doesn't matter what you're doing. It matters about if you're sitting at the feet of the Lord God, Jesus Christ. It's about if you're listening to him, paying attention to him, learning of him, walking in him, speaking in him, thinking in him, 
and repenting in his name and walking in him in righteousness and holiness. It's about him. It's all about him. Plainly, simply, clearly. Simply. Plainness of speech. The word of God is so plain and clear. We don't complicate it. Those who try to complicate it, you're only complicating it because they don't understand it. Because they're bringing other things in the way. Most people can't see Christ through the dust that they've created themselves. But if you sit down, stay still, the dust settles and it becomes more clear. Get rid of the things that complicate. Get rid of the things that take away from the person of Jesus Christ. Settle the dust. How do you settle dust? The more active you are, the more dust you stir up. Sit down, be still. Be simple. Be plain. Be simple. And then you'll see the power. Then you'll see the person. The face of Jesus Christ becomes more clear. The grace of Jesus Christ becomes more understandable. More powerful. It's about grace. Grace in a name. Mercy in a name. We use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which was abolished. We don't put veils over it. We don't add anything. We don't do anything. Moses had to put a veil to try to hide it, uh, to try to diminish it. Diminish the light. But their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. There's a veil upon the hearts. There's a veil upon the hearts. Until that veil is removed, they won't be able to understand. See, we can say and do and demonstrate all of this, but until the veil is removed, they won't get it. They won't get it. And this is this is what it's talking about in Hebrews 6, 4 to 6, about the enlightenment, about the work of the Spirit of God to, to convict and enlighten and show them the under give them the understanding. And who's the one that, that lifts the veil and gives them the glimpse through the keyhole? The one that gives them the enlightenment of the truth. You by your deeds? No. But what is it by your deeds? Your deeds and the works of that which draws them, so that the Spirit of God can lift the veil. I'm not the one that convicts. I don't touch the veil. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. When the law is read, that which will help them see and understand their sin. Nevertheless, when it, the veil, so sorry, no, 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 when it is the heart. Nevertheless, when it, the heart, shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. It's only when individuals stop fighting when they soften their heart to the truth when they pause for a second and they listen all those who seek me shall find me people are walking veiled they have no understanding but it's only when they stop fighting they stand still for a moment for the dust to settle well, it's only it's only when they start seeking the face of God, when, when they allow themselves to listen. The Spirit of God comes, lifts the veil, and says, Here I am. 
And it's on them now. Are they going to bat away the hand of God and put the veil back? Or are they going to kiss the face of God? Or are they, they going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? The veil is upon the heart. It's on the heart, not the hands. It's on the eyes of what, of what they are allowing themselves to see. The veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when the heart shall turn to the Lord, turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. The veil is only removed when they turn to the Lord. Now the Lord is that spirit. What spirit was he mean? Is that with that spirit? What? What spirit? Verse 6, who also made us able ministers by the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Able ministers of the Spirit. Ministers of Spirit. Not ministers of flesh. Works. Not ministers of works. Ministers of Spirit, not righteous works. Ministers of Spirit, not law-keeping. Ministers of spirit, not religiosity. Ministers of spirit, not water baptism. Ministers of spirit, not orthodoxy. Ministers of spirit, not any other name that is named. For there's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's the name of Jesus Christ. It's of the spirit of Christ. It's all of spirit. We manifest spirit, not physical works. This is what Jesus corrected the Pharisees about and condemned them about. It's not about the washing of cups and pots. not about the, about the uh, maintaining and observances of rituals. It's not about the, the works and the righteous works and law-keeping and the deeds. It's about the spirit of his dear son. How do we minister and demonstrate the spirit of Jesus Christ? How do we commend ourselves? How can we commend others? By showing them how Christ has worked on us. How Christ has changed us. We see what Saul of Tarsus was. We see the Apostle Paul and how Paul demonstrates through conviction, doctrine, truth, prayer, faith, walking in Christ day after day. And we see how he's an encouragement, an inspiration. Follow me as I'm a follower of Christ. Can, pe can people use you as, as a help, as an inspiration? Of faith. Not of deed, of faith. Believing faith. Believing faith. Now the Lord is that spirit. The spirit that we manifest. The spirit that we are ministers of. The spirit that we share and demonstrate. The spirit that lives in the heart of every believer. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Freedom. Freedom. We're no longer under the law, but under grace. Freedom and liberty. Truth. Justice. Conviction. Faith. Redemption. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. A desire to follow Him in all things. To follow the commandments and the truths of the Lord, of His Word. 
to set aside my desires to take up his in all things. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, are you included? But we all, with open face, open face, what does that mean? It's not veiled, nothing's hidden. Nothing is hidden. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God. The power of God. Unashamedness. Not veiled. Not hidden. Not reduced. But all with open face. Unashamedness. And beholding. As in a glass, it's like a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Can you see the joy in your own face? Can you see the joy in your own face? That the glistening of the happy eyes, of the, of the look of peace and joy. What do you see? What do you see? When you, when you lead someone to the Lord, the look of joy on their when you talk of Jesus Christ to the saints, the joy that comes across the face, it is seen. It is evident. There's a light glowing. When you gather the saints at church and you're singing the praises of God, look around. Look around. Listen to the voices. Look at the behavior. Listen to the passion. It is evidently seen. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. We are changed into the glory of his dear son. We are demonstrators of the glory of his dear son. We carry with us the fire of God change into the same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the lord by the spirit of the lord not because of something you've done to earn it not because of something you are trying to maintain to keep not because of something you are trying to self-atone but because he gave by grace it's him he gave it he made it he's the he's the one that keeps it up it's all of him his sufficiency not self-sufficiency. This in and of itself right here completely, utterly refutes works-based salvation. It refutes the works-based religionists. Because the works-based, they're teaching self-sufficiency. The Catholic, the Orthodox, uh, all of the Seventh-day Adventists, all those others, all those others that, that, that are focusing on law and works and righteous works and earning and self-attaining and atoning, they, they don't get this. They have no peace. They're trying to earn the peace themselves. They're trying to be self-sufficient away from Christ. They think they have righteousness of their own. They have power of their own to be able to bring themselves up to the Father. But no, it's all through Christ alone. Justification through Christ alone. Salvation through Him alone. Sanctification through Christ alone. He is my peace, my joy. 
He is my sufficiency, for without him I would have nothing, I would be nothing, I could do nothing. Through him and him alone. He made me able. He makes me an able minister. What about you? Well, women aren't supposed to be ministers. You don't understand what you're talking about. That women can be pastors or deacons, but they can be witnesses of his dear son. They can be evangelists and missionaries and, and testaments and, and testifiers of the power of God unto salvation. They can witness the gospel to anyone else. To minister the gospel. Witness the gospel. Share the gospel. To serve the gospel unto everyone else. Absolutely. We are all witnesses. We're all testaments of his grace. Do you share that? Do you share that? Even in a cup of cool water to a thirsty man. That's witnessing the goodness of Jesus Christ. The conviction of Jesus Christ. That's opening a door for even witnessing. Helping the poor, the sick, the needy. Praying, praying for others, encouraging the saints, encouraging the lost to bring, to draw them to Christ. Do you share the goodness of God in everything that you do? As he, as he shares his goodness with you in everything. Able ministers. Able. Only by Christ. Chapter three. Any comments, questions, issues, insights, anything at all, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. If you appreciate these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit the notification bell icon so you put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other goodies and playlists and videos and studies and all kinds of stuff there. And as well, please make sure you check out our website, christiancoffeetime.ca. We got links to all other platforms as well, and we got the free downloadable gospel track PDFs. Please make sure you take advantage of that and get busy speaking about our dear Lord. Get busy witnessing and sharing Christ to everyone around. Witness of him, be unashamed. All right, so with that, let's see if there's anything else here that I may have missed. All right, going down through the comments. Okay, Raven, be, be the church for whenever two or three are gathered together in my name i'm in the midst of them amen amen and going down through we got a reference here matthew 18 raven has a reference matthew 18 let's read it 19 to 20 18 19 to 20. and again i say to you that if two two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask it shall be done for them of my father which is in heaven for where two or three are gathered together in my name there am i in the midst of them amen amen and that is a proof a, a proof a promise of god when god says something it is eternally sealed god cannot break his promise when god says something he'll never go back on his word when god says something he'll never go back on his word he is with us always even into the end of the world Olga says, that happens to me too. Sometimes I ask God a question and later when I read the Bible, I read a passage that has the answer. It's not a coincidence. That's right. That's right. There's no such thing as chance, luck, or coincidence. No such thing. No such thing. 
when you ask of the Lord, he will answer. He said he would, and he does. Do you trust him? Do you believe him in that? Do you believe his promise? Do you hold him to his promise? Do you act upon his promises? Be still and know that I'm God. Amen. Olga says, I have a question. When you're late for church, is it better to go even if you're missed half of it or, or not go at all because it's disrespectful to be late? Get there. Even if there's only one minute left, get there. It, do, it Never, ever shirk it. Never, ever uh, refuse to go all, be, all because, you know, it might be late and some people might get offended. That Let them get offended. Stupid. Did, did, did Jesus only speak to people who were only sitting there at that, that moment? Or did he did he invite all to come and hear him at any point, any time, throughout any, any moment of his speaking? He never refused any that would come to him. It doesn't matter if you, if you come to him early or late, as long as you do come. Sit at his feet. Sit at his feet. Even if there's just one minute left, one second left, it doesn't matter. Even if you come and it's all over, come anyways. Fellowship with the saints. The Lord will speak to you. He will encourage you. The point is to get there. Don't ever shirk it. It doesn't matter. Get there. Just go in, sit down, be quiet, be respectful, and don't cause a big stir and commotion or whatever. I know you don't or you wouldn't, but I'm just saying, you just go in, sit down. Just listen in. Listen in. The point is it's about him, not people. You're not going to church to impress people and it's not about impressing God it's about going to be in his presence it's about going there because you want to worship him you want to sing his praises you want to read his word with the saints it's not about it's not about going to impress people it's not a club it's a temple and he never turns away anybody that comes to him. Even if they come late. Because there is no late with him. You're never late. You're never late with him. Because his ear is open 24-7, 365. His word is open 24-7, 365. People might hold you late. He doesn't. And it matters what he thinks, not what people think. So the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord. How can we seek the joy of the Lord? By being joyful in Him. By being excited about Him. That when He walks in the room, your face would brighten up. When you hear the sound of His voice, it makes your heart skip. That when He, when he works, it grabs your full attention. You're eager to be near him, of him, through him. That the faith excites you. Does the faith excite you? If the faith doesn't excite you, then how can you demonstrate his joy? Give that some thought. It's not about Reading the Bible and praying and going to church and doing all that. It's not about the doing. It's not about reading the Bible and praying. But it's about listening to his voice. 
having conversations with Jesus Christ and going out and living with Jesus Christ walking beside you. It's about go, going to gather with saints to worship Jesus Christ. Reword your phraseology. It's not about reading the Bible and praying. It's not about that. It's about listening to his voice. How to have a two-way conversation with God? He speaks, you speak. Two-way conversation. Like Charles Spurgeon was asked, which is more important, reading the Bible or praying? Think about that one for a moment. Which is more important, reading the Bible or praying? Charles Spurgeon said, which is more important, breathing in or breathing out? Exactly. And what did Jesus say about gathering together? Whenever. Whenever. Whenever ye are gathered together. Well, how often could we gather together? As often as you would, is what Jesus said. As often as you would be gathered together. So we see, and throughout the word of God, that the language as it talks to us is, What know ye not? Ye are the temple of God which is in you. Ye are not your own. How often could people go and worship God? How often should you? When should you not? Well, we see we are also called believer priests. How often did priests work in the temple all day, every day? There was even the night watch priests. All day, all night, there was always service of God. So as often as you would, you are to be the living church. It's not going to church. It's being the church. You are the church. 24-7, 365. So you'd want to... You would want to want to because why would you not want to you would want to want to live in the lord of the lord through the lord in everything that you do even in eating and drinking do all to the glory of god it's about mindfulness of christ in everything in everything you do for example uh last year i think it was last year uh i was outside doing one of my workouts I like doing strongman type stuff. I have a big tractor tire with chains and all stuff I'm working out with. I'm out on the little side road that's beside our place, and I'm working out. I'm 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 all overheated. I'm near the end of my workout. I'm just exhausted. I'm just I'm covered in sweat and chalk and everything else, and I'm worn out and tired and sore. And along comes a guy who's a fisherman, all duded up in his fishing gear, just pulling us up. He comes walking by, and he's we start chatting. I've never seen him before. We start chatting. And uh, it got around talking about the Lord. And was able to witness to him. And he, he was a Christian, but he had kind of like the prodigal son wandered away from the Lord. And he was kind of in a bad place and uh, spiritually, you know, bad, bad place in, in his life. And we got talking about the Lord and I just, I spent the next hour standing out there with all my workout gear on and everything and even with his fishing gear and stand out on the, on the road and even in the workout, the Lord brought someone along 
that I witnessed to, spoke with, encouraged, he got himself right with the Lord. Even in a workout, the Lord is with you even in a workout. He's with you going for a bike ride, with you at the gas station, at the grocery store, at the library, or wherever else. He's with you out, out in, the, out in the, the valleys. He's with you in the mountaintops. He's with you always, and you're with him in everything that you do. It doesn't mean that you can't live life. Live life with him. Go for a boat ride. Go for a canoe trip. <laughs> Go on vacation with him. He's on your mind. He's with you. As he says, I'm with you, whithersoever thou goest, whithersoever thou goest, wherever you go, I'm with you. To be mindful of that, aware of that, ready with that, eager of that, excited to share him, to introduce your best friend. He sticks closer than a brother. He's your best friend. He's the best friend you could ever have. Because he will never betray you. He will never lie to you. He will never abandon you. He will never lead you astray. He will always speak to you. Always because day and night, night and day, and it doesn't matter what you've done. You could have done the worst possible thing. He will forgive you. He will never abandon you. He's your best friend. Do you introduce him to others? Do you love him like that? Even when you betray him, he won't betray you. He will never, you can't drive him away. You can try to run from him as fast and as hard as you possibly can. Turn around, he's right there. <laughs> he's faster than you. You can't, you, you can't get away from him. Jonah tried, didn't work. Adam tried, Eve tried, didn't work. The prodigal son tried, didn't work. He's right there. He's your best friend. Do you ever think of Jesus Christ like that? He's your Lord, your God and Savior. Yes, 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 yes. He's your teacher and instructor. Yes, absolutely. He's your Savior, your Master. Absolutely. He's the King of Kings. On no question. Is he your number one best friend? That's what Paul's getting at. That's what Paul's getting at. That he encourages you like a best friend would. Like your best friend would when you're out, out having fun or doing whatever and how, how you encourage each other and you feed off of each other. Do you feed off of Jesus? Do you feed off of him? You ever seen them when two, uh, two, uh, two, two folks, they're in their best friends and you watch them, they feed off of each other. They get, them, get each other going. You know, I honestly, honest to God, that's how I see Jesus and the apostles walking down the dusty road. I honestly, honest to God, see them laughing and joking, having a great time because Jesus is the God of joy and gladness. He has a sense of humor. I 100% believe that Jesus loved cracking up. I believe that 100%. Yes, he's very serious. Yes, he's serious about that which is serious. 
but he's a god of levity. Do you feed off of him? The joy, the gladness, the laughter? Do you feed off of him that which keeps you going and pick, picking you up? What picks you up better than joy? What picks you up something better than a good laugh? He's the god of laughter. Laughter is, is good like a medicine, the Bible says. God said that. Is he your best friend that you feed off of? Makes you not care what others sin because you care what he says? You care more what he says than anyone else says? Because he knows you better than anyone else? He knows your strengths, your weaknesses. He, know, he knows what makes you fall. He knows what picks you up. He knows how to keep you going. He's with you always. He's always there. He always wants to hang out, always wants to talk, always wants to listen. He's your comforter. He's your counselor. He's your teacher. He's your father. And he's your best friend. Now go. Share him. There you go. So with that, I hope this has been a help and a comfort and encouragement to you. Please make sure you rewatch this, share this around. And, and of course, absolutely, please uh, give us a, a like, us a thumbs up. Leave a comment. Leave a comment about the joy of the Lord. Leave a comment about how the Lord helps you. Something that the Lord has done for you. Or even just, just to say amen. Just to let people know. Let people know God is in you of a truth. Demonstrate it. Live it. Speak it. Get it out there. With that, we'll wrap that up there. Thank you so much for joining in. God bless you. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ, our best friend, our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again, folks. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.